Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shir. Elila Nishmas, as we've been doing past weeks, Shimon Ben Yitzchak and Masha Bas Yitzchak.
And therefore, it's not so simple to just all of a sudden tell everybody, no, you got to call me now by my Hebrew name. But <coughs> we see that's the beginning of Bereshis. Bereshis begins with the word Bereshis, which means stands for Bara, Creator, Creation. Shame Yisrael Tikra, you should be called by your Hebrew name. And we find at the end of the Chumash Bereshis. Once again, when it refers to the passing of Yosef, it says how Yosef passed away. And Yosef ruled in the Shayim. It repeats over and over the name of Yosef. The reference being, of course, that although when he was anointed by Parai, Parai told him that now I'm going to give you a name fitting of a viceroy of Egypt, because you can't walk around with a Hebrew name here, you got to walk around with an Egyptian name, and he calls him Tzofnas Paneach. Torah tells us in the Pasuk that when he appoints him as the viceroy to the king, he tells him, your name now will be Tzofnas Paneach, a nice Egyptian name. And Yosef said, thank you. And they walked out, and they said, so what did the king tell you? The king told me that uh, I'm viceroy. Oh, okay. So what do we call you? Call me Yosef. There was no question, no doubt, no second thought, no anything, chas v'shalom, to walk around with a name like Tzachos Paneach. Yosef was his name, and Yosef was his game, as we say, and Yosef is what he was going to be called. And with that name he died. There's much in a Hebrew name, and it's, some of us find it very difficult to just use it randomly, to use our Hebrew name, and to brand ourselves all of a sudden a Hebrew name, to change all our identities to everyone. So if one, living in the world of the world that we're, which we're in, is unfortunately we use the harshest expression, branded with the English name. One should note to themselves when they think, when they talk, and when they reference themselves in their own mind frame, I got this, one should always use their Hebrew name. Does one have to pronounce their Hebrew name daily on a daily basis? No. One needs to know, though, that when I say my name, I know who I really am. Because my name is my name of my neshama. It was given to me. I'll bait the intentions of my parents might have been might not have been as perfect as I would like them to have been. But they were given, if it was a girl given by the Torah, if it's a man given by his bris, and the name was given through a special Ruach HaKadosh, which the parents are given when they give a name to a child.
But now we look and we say, Samar Tzedek asked when he was taught, Zayim Yim and Yitches Tevis, and Samar Tzedek was taught this Pasha. He says, he hears that the best years of Yaakov's life were here in Mitzrayim. Really went out to his grandfather, the Alter Rebbe, and he said to him, how is this possible? Ervasar, it's in the lowest of lands. <coughs> These were his choicest, his best years of his life. A little bit random. To which Alter Rebbe answered, we know from the end of the last six parashas, Yehuda Shalach Lofanov, before Yaakov came down to Mitzrayim, he sent Yehuda. He sent Yehuda to establish Yeshiva. Yehuda established the Yeshiva. There was a Torah presence in Egypt. And based on that Torah presence, Yaakov's life had a quality of life. Welcome. And that's why it says, Yaakov lived in the land of Egypt, but Vayechi itself is a gematria, is a gematria 34. The numerical value of the word Vayechi is 34. So how does it come out that his best years, thirty these best, he had thirty-four best years? When Yosef was sold, he was seventeen years old, and now he lived in Egypt with Yosef another seventeen years. The thirty-four years that he lived with Yosef were the best years of his life. Yosef, we spoke about this last week and the week before the Yosefs spiritual level is a very, very high one, and therefore Yosef was the one, ultimately the leader, the the shepherd of the Jewish nation. And thereby Yaakov you know, relied on Yosef, spiritually speaking, for many, many things. And therefore the first 17 years that he spent with Yosef, in the beginning of the 17 years that he spent to the end of Yechi Yaakov, what gave Yaakov actual life what gave Yaakov actually existence and purpose in his life. However, the Pasha itself talks about the passing of Yaakov. Yaakov calls in the children, he calls in first Ephraim and Menashe, he tells Jesus to bring his children, and he brings the children in, and then he blesses them, and then he blesses the rest of his children, he wants to tell them, Bikish Yaakov, the Gal Saketz, he wants to tell them when Mashiach is going to come, but the Nerul HaKadosh, unfortunately, was taken away from him. One of the reasons it's brought down in the Svarim is because, simply speaking, if a person knows he's going to get wealthy, they're very happy. I know my end game, God is going to bless me with wealth. A person knows they're going to see nachas from their children very happy. Although they're giving me white hairs, gray hairs, and they're giving me ulcers and heart conditions, but I know down the line I'm going to have nachas. 
we know Mashiach is coming. And therefore we say, I await him each and every day. And we say in our tefillah, it says, All the different tefillahs that refer to Mashiach Tzidkenu, that Mashiach is going to come any minute. The Shlosh HaKivizi Hashem is the end of today's Chitas. But, there's direct reference to Mashiach Tzidkenu. Also in today's Chitas, Ad Kiyavashilei. Ad Kiyavashilei Rashi tells us directly is the coming of Mashiach. So the question begs here, what are we talking about? That Yaakov lived, if the Pasha talks about Yaakov's passing. What's life? (laughs) Life's a magazine. Really, where do you get it? In the store. How much does it cost? A dollar. I don't have a dollar. That's life. What's life? The question here is, what's life? True life is perpetual life. Life that has fulfillment, life that has success and perpetuality. One that has doubts and different ups and downs and trials, tribulations, feels they did not have a full life, Hashem. And therefore, when it comes to life, only Hakadosh Baruch the source, Mekir the source of life, can we actually say true life? Says Hashem Likim Emes. Who Alekim Chaim? God, our God, God the God, is true, and He is the God of life. And since Hakadosh Baruch Hu is Emes, is truth, and there are no changes in God, and He violation you see, He doesn't separate from the world at all whatsoever. He's referred to as Chaim, as life. Sometimes we start our life. Sometimes they have what they call in America a midlife crisis. And then there are those that have lesser quality of life on their old age. Do you have those across the board that start life beautifully and have midlife beautiful and they go to the older, ripe old age healthily and happily? And they see happiness and they see joy. The waves of life, the journey of life, some want to think that the destiny is in their own hands. 
The fact is, it's the path that we pave for ourselves that ultimately we walk. There are times where people are given the raw end of the stick. Either in their upbringing, in their childhood, in their whatever part of time of life they have, as they go along. And then suddenly, the stars start shining, as we say, the sun starts coming through, and they start to find themselves, they find joy, they find happiness, they find life. They find life worth living. They find life giving them a whole new chance, a whole new revelation, and a whole new approach. This is called MS, truth. And when we see the truth, which is that everything comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then we can see true quality of life. How do the person find this? By attaching oneself to God. As we said, since we said that God is true life, we need to attach ourselves to God. And thereby He too will live, as the Pasuk tells us in Devarim, You will attach yourselves to God, your God. All of you will have life today. And this is the reason that Am Yisrael, going to the Avazdarim lesson, sometimes don't understand, don't grasp properly the concept called Chaim, since it is attached to God. This is talking about a person that meets goes through trials, tribulations, hardships. And they need to overcome problems. So as long as life is stormy waters, they don't get that Attachment. Only when they involve themselves, they throw themselves into full-heartedly the service of God, can they strengthen them, and then it becomes clear to them attachment to the true God, and that is called Chaim. How does one attach themselves to God according to some Farshim through Tamid Chachamim, through righteous people, through spiritual people? But I don't find them attaching themselves to me. How am I going to attach myself to them? In some 
realm, we need to find a way to attach ourselves to them, even if it's out of our reach. We need to beseech Hashem to give us the path and to give us the connection. And if we really mean it, and we sincerely dive in that way, even if we just write the word help and sign your name, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Harbi Shluchim Lamakim HaKadosh Baruch has many messengers. Unfortunately, we have the tendency to shy away sometimes from the messenger. We don't feel the proper connection. We don't understand how we could possibly be connected to this particular messenger. And we know and we realize and we see the messenger is full. The old intentions are complete, are full, full-hearted, and caring and loving and dedicated and devoted, and trying to give whatever they can with their heart and soul. But how how do I accept this? How do I? Eternalize this. Tells us the tale of Atem Advekim Bashem You're attaching yourself to God. And when you know that what you're doing here, the outcome is Chaim Kulchamayim, this is my lifeline. Although there are many barriers, many things that are standing in between you and them, you know that this is really the, for your good and for your benefit. You see to it that you attach yourself in a way that's fitting for you and plausible and feasible. Needless to say, there are going to be many different obstacles that will present themselves. But we need to see to it that we find this as our lifeline, as our soul. And this is our attachment, our conduit to connect to God. So now we understand why the Pasha is called Vayechi. Dafka when Yaakov found the Mitzrayim, and he was standing before his deathbed, he now saw before his eyes, as we say, he saw his life before his eyes. He now saw actual life. Until up until this time, Yaakov was in Yisrael, in a place of Kedusha, of holiness. Although he went through plenty, he went through plenty. He suffered plenty. But he didn't have through all this enough in order to reveal his attachment to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He was in the highest level of holiness, spirituality. But now when he finds himself before his passing away, before he goes, after he's now come down to Egypt, 
to Mitzrayim, Elvas Haaretz, the lowest of the lands. Not only himself, but him and his sons and his family, his grandchildren. He stands in his most righteous level. So now we see that the whole life of Yaakov is passing before his eyes. And Yaakov, you know, was chai, he was alive. The Gemara tells us, if you're keeping score at home, it's Gemara Tainis, Tafhei Amit Beis, a very, very famous Gemara, and something that everybody jumps on, and everybody tries to dissect, or figure out, or how to eat it. Yaakov, Avinu, Lei, Meis. Yaakov, our father, did not die. But we saw a funeral. We saw that he was embalmed, and he was wrapped, and he was taken to Hebron. How is it possible? Says the Yamara, Mazare Bechayim, Afhu Bechayim, as long as his children live in his path, in his life, he will always perpetually live. He will live on forever. And this is therefore the connection one needs to be attached in order to continue the existence of Claudius Yisrael in the way of Yaakov. And this is the continuation of his life. So therefore the Pasha of course has to be called Vayechi. Because Dafka now will be seeing how we're going to perpetuate the life of Yaakov Avinu, how we're going to make it be on, live on forever. And that's all the generations following, continuing in his footsteps and his ways. And this is a perpetual lesson for each and every one of us. We don't have a holy temple. We can't go bring karbanes. We can't elevate our sins in the most spiritual of fashions. We are now in a terrible, terrible gullus, a terrible exile. When the hardships and the tzaras are many. And we don't even see with our own eyes Gula. Just as by Yaakov Nistama Kates, the Kates became closed. Oh boy. One second. Giving a shear. You call your shear? You are? I'm giving a shear. Oh, just say, it's, uh, who's Rose that works there in Core? Where? Rose. Where? In Core. I don't know why. I don't know. You got a nasty email from me, such a heads up. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay. No, no. So this is a perpetual lesson that we have now, where we saw by Yaakov Avinu, he wanted to be Bikish Yaakov the Galus Saketz, and Nista Maketz. It was closed off from him. It was blocked from him. He could not see it. Still in all, we are taught, Jews, that Torah, by keeping mitzvahs, 
and believing that the Geula HaShleimah is on the precipice. And with this we can reveal and Teir and HaKadosh Baruch Hu our life, the true life of Am Yisrael. And that is how we live through the scope of Teir. And as hard it is for us to say an imam in Shleima, as hard it is to say when already, how many times am I going to repeat it, how many times am I going to say it, we need to live it. We need to live it and believe that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to take us out of this nasty golos now. Not waiting until this afternoon, not waiting until tonight. <coughs> now at this very moment, the way we stand. And we get many different tests. Sometimes tests from our parents, sometimes tests from teachers, sometimes tests from our children. <laughs> One of the better lines this week you found children, my child's laughing at me when I ever have a, an insane moment. They don't realize I'm laughing at them. So why are you laughing at them? It's because this insanity is hereditary. Our children sometimes give us a, a, a plenty of white hairs. And we need to daven every day. We need to give baby an extra coin. We need to say their capital to Hillam. And we need to constantly have the Dishmaya that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will see to it that whatever they're going through they'll go through in a proper way and you'll see ultimate full brachas from them. And we said before about the Yem Yem of Yudches Teves and how the Alter Rebbe answers to the Semach Tzedek about the Yeshiva that was established what is the actual question and what is the answer The tachlis aveda of a person, the bottom line service of a person in this world, is to elevate within their own boundaries, as we said before, to attach to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Mitzrayim represents the complete opposite to that. Mitzrayim is a word from Mitzorim Hagvolis, borders, boundaries. Restrictions. So that's what he's asking. How is it possible that in a place of Mitzorim did Yaakov achieve his highest quality of life? And this is therefore what we're saying that the Teda is what brings this about. Taylor is what gives us life and living in perpetuality. Taylor is what gives us the existence 
What? I'm recording a shir. Bye. So the person needs to understand Taylor gives us this power, this kayak to overcome these boundaries until so much so that he actually can not only overcome the boundaries, but can affect the boundaries in a better way than they are. Affect the boundaries even better than they are. But it's not really an answer. <laughs> what did he really answer his grandson? The child asked, How is it possible in Mitzrayim Yaakov should reach his ultimate goal, his ultimate height of his spirituality? And what does he explain? How it's also possible to live life in Mitzrayim. The explanation, in essence, is the strength, the kayach, of turning over the darkness to light. And thereby we reach the light overcomes the darkness. The overflowing of light that comes from the turning over the darkness into light. A little bit of light pushes away a lot of darkness. But when a person, only when a person is in darkness do they notice how much light they actually experience. How much light they're actually seeing, how much light they're actually being given. So by reaching and achieving this and attaching, as we said before, Takarish Baruchu, in the concept, in the constraints of Mitzrayim, of the Gvulin, we find the actual turning over the darkness into light. And through this we reach to the highest level, higher than any light itself. This answer given to the child is only a hint it's not a clear answer but when we speak about education how to educate our child we don't have a it's not a place to stand there and to try to contemplate how to turn darkness into light child needs to know that darkness is not good and we need to get away from darkness Unfortunately, there are many people, many children, that have enough fear of darkness. We don't have to teach them how to fear darkness, we just have to know that it's not good. We fear nothing but Hashem. And we should not let any other fears interfere 
in our lives. It all should be able, we should be able to overcome all fears by thinking Taylor, by thinking God is with me and God is protecting me. But we need to not hang around with darkness, shall we say. When the child grows up, the child learns that if the person if a person comes to a place with danger and he's in a crossroad with the different types of tests, then we need to see to it that the the light has to overshine the darkness. But that's not what a child has to do. A child has to know to begin with, you don't go dangerous places. Is that safe? No, it's not safe, then stay away from it. It's dangerous, stay away. And this is the lesson that he's giving. And this is what's the words behind, the explanation behind the words of the Alter Rebbe to the Zemot Tzedek. If chas v'shalom, chas v'shalom, a person falls and sins and gets into the restraints of the Mitzrayim and gets into the level, the lowliness of an Egypt of being bound. Do not feel that you have to just give it up. One needs to stand up in these tests and then succeed to turn over Mitzrayim itself, to take the darkness, to take these boundaries, to take these restraints, and make them themselves mitzvahs, make them themselves chusim, make them themselves light, and thereby being, bringing the Geula mitzvah shneimah, b'chayr v'yameinah, amen. Yaakov calls in Yosef, and he tells him he's about to pass. And he tells him, I got a mission for you, my son. I know you're a viceroy in this country. And first of all, I know you have the best pull for this. And therefore, I'm begging you all know, do not bury me in this country, in this land. One of the reasons is because Yaakov felt that they would make his grave site a shrine. They would make it into a... Uh, idol worship another reason is because Yaakov also saw the uh, makis that were going to come about in Egypt and how many makis how many of the plagues would actually hit the land, the earth itself and he didn't want to be inflicted by that whatever reason the mainstay reason is that Yaakov wanted to be buried in Barasamach Pedah where he belonged and Yosef says, I'll do exactly as you say, Daddy. But you know what? Talking to the viceroy here, he doesn't say to him, Okay, thank you. You're dismissed. He says, Swear to me. And it says, Yosef swore. Yosef swore to his father, he will do his bidding. And he will not bury him in Mitzrayim, he will bury him where his place of his forefathers.
Why was Yaakov not happy with just Yosef saying, you got my word? Why did he make him swear? I just want to interject another point here. When Yaakov, at the end of the parasha, we find Yosef also passes away. Yosef dies ten years earlier than he was supposed to die. We had said last week that when the brothers kept referring to Yaakov, when they spoke to Yosef and they said, your servant, our father, Yosef ultimately was punished for it. But I didn't say what it was then. So now I would tell you, the punishment was he died ten years earlier. But the only thing is, if you look in the Tehra, you see that he only meant, they only said it five times, our father, your servant, Avdachah. Why did he lose ten years? Because Yosef wasn't talking directly to the brothers. He had a dolmetscher. He had a uh, translator. So Yosef heard the brothers, but he understood the Lashon Kedish. So he heard his brothers saying it. That's once. And then the translator translated it. That was twice. So for each one, it was double. So he heard it ten times. His father being referred to as his slave, as his servant, and therefore was taken, was punished by ten years. So why did he have to swear? What's a shvua? What is swearing? How is it different than a guarantee? When a person swears, he commits themselves, a person commits himself totally to this thing. When he guarantees something, so he has in mind to be Mekai in this, to do this, and when it comes the time to do everything that's in his powers to fulfill this, if he doesn't always have the mind frame and the, that he guaranteed, because he only guaranteed it, but he didn't really, told the commitment is only a guarantee, he can, fla- he can flake out, shall we say. He can fail away. Whereas when a person swears to it, to do a certain mission, it's on his mind all the time. He never, he never falters from it. And therefore, because he knows the severity of the, of the, of the, prom- the promise, so Yaakovina was not satisfied with only the guarantee, and he asked Yosef to swear. Because he knew that he fulfilled this in a much in a much stronger fulfillment. If he was just guaranteeing him, he was just giving his word, Pari could turn around and say to him, Be real, Yosef, we need your father here. He's a blessing for the land. He brought so many blessings. How can we not bury him here? But if you guys have said turns around, but I swore, I gave, I didn't just give my word. I I swore. Then even Pari would have to respect that. We see the difference between Yaakov and Yosef. Yaakov did not agree to be buried in Mitzrayim. And he told his son, Carry me out. 
Don't put me here even overnight. Don't leave me here. Elevate me out of here. Where unfortunately as Yosef, the Arden of Yosef stayed there and he made the Eden swear that when the time will come, Paka Yivkeid, Yalos it's Mesavimam. And the promise of going out of the Golas would come about, they would take his bones. First glance, we see Yaakov not wanting to be buried in Mitzrayim as a way of saving himself. And he's leaving his children in the Golas, in the exile. How can we say that about Yaakov? You know? We need to say that this thing was definitely for the good of the Eden themselves. He's a father of children. He's going to go mess them up like that. Okay, the video worked better than I thought it would. Chazal tell us a generalization. If you're keeping score at home, it's Gemara Barakas, Hayam and Beis. The captured person doesn't free himself from the prison. In order to go out of Egypt, they needed an outside source. Somebody not in Mitzrayim to help them out. That's what Yaakov Avinu was. He was higher than Egypt, higher than the concept of Mitzrayim, higher than Golos. His place was not in Mitzrayim, his place was in Eretz and therefore he was able to feed them and able to nurture them to the Eden, the Kayak, to leave of, from Mitzrayim. Whereas Yosef, he was in the Golos. He was in Mitzrayim. As long as he was there, since they knew that ultimately he was being taken out of there, as long as he was there, he gave them Chizuk, he gave them strength, to be able to overcome their goals. So from one side he was in goals, from the other side though, he gave them strength. As long as they saw Yosef there with them still, they were able to daven, they were able to have that, uh, the and the guarantee, and the security that they were going to leave. And this was their protection as long as they were in goals. And this is why Yaakov asked not to be buried in Mitzrayim and the bones of Yosef remained in Mitzrayim. This therefore explains why Yaakov made him swear in a Sasani in Mitzrayim. Not just take me out, but in a Sasani to raise me up. Yaakov knew that his, the Mahus of Yosef, the essence of Yosef, in order to give Chizuk to the Klai Yisrael from within within Mitzrayim. This was something that was done but he wanted his father to stay there for that reason as well. That he should also have this chus protecting the Eden in the, in the Golos. And uh, Yaakov knew that that was not supposed to be. Therefore he made him swear to take him out. Thereby he had no choice but to fulfill his shvua without any questions, without any other inner strife or any inner turmoil. And our lesson is that even though that we are in Golos, 
This Shechina is with us. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is with us in the Golas. But still in all, a Yid needs to cry out, Carry us out of this Egypt, and carry us out of this Golas. And we have to have a Muna, but a Muna Aza, and hope from the depth of our souls. And with this strength, we will merit to have the Geula Mamish, and we'll all go out this very Shabbos, and we will stand in Besamikdash Shlishi, and we will call out Chazak, Chazak, Benis Chazek, and we will finalize Chumash Bereshis, and more importantly, we will finalize the Golos, the bitter Golos in which we are in. Shabbat Shalom to all.